listening to Conversations with Scholars. This section of the podcast is dedicated to the stories of marginalized bodies in academia. This is inspired by Black feminist sociologist Jacques Alexander and political activist Angela Davis. Davis notes the importance of how histories never unfold in isolation, and we cannot fully know our own histories without better knowing the stories of others. So let's learn each other's stories and follow a process of retelling, revising, reflecting, and relaunching. This discussion is with Javon Goward. He obtained a BA in Sociology with honors from the University of Maryland College Park and his MS in Informatics from Indiana University Bloomington. Goward's research takes an interdisciplinary approach in studying aspects of video game culture by working in the domains of sociology, informatics, and media studies. His current work focuses on African-American, Blacks within esports, and the intersection of Black joy within gaming culture. His blog bridges the gap between academic discourse and personal anecdotes discussing a wide range of topics from gender, race, and economics as they relate to digital spaces. Goward is also co-host and co-creator with two other UMD alumni for My Gaming Academia podcast, which is focused on discussing psychological and sociological topics as they relate to video games. Featured on the podcast, have been guests ranging from Twitch streamers, game developers, and a game scholar. Episodes are available on Spotify. So we're here today with Javon Gord. Thank you for making the time. I'll go ahead and let you introduce yourself. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for having me. Uh, My name is Javon Gord. I am uh, I guess 28 years old. Uh, I am born and raised in Prince George's County, Maryland, uh, and I currently work as a program coordinator at Johns Hopkins University School of Education. And most recently, uh, I was accepted as a student there, as a doctoral student. So I'll also be uh, transitioning as a doctoral student there pretty soon. So yeah, I saw that pinned on your Twitter profile. Congratulations. Isn't it funny how you know what's going on? <laughs> and I was just like, huh, okay. But yes, congratulations. I think it's gonna be um it's gonna be a journey and it's gonna be fun. But what what do you what made you apply to graduate school well for the doctoral program to begin with? And mm-hmm. what are you going to be researching or interested in researching? Mm-hmm. Okay, good questions. Uh, well, first and foremost, this is actually um, me going back into graduate school. Uh, so I used to be a graduate student specifically for the PhD at Indiana University at Bloomington uh, within the informatics department. And there I was a student there between uh, 2016 through, depends on who you ask, uh, um, technically 2021 is when I officially left the program. Um, and now I've decided to finish my degree, um, and go back into the fold. Uh, but at Indiana, um, and currently now my focus will be on video game culture in particularly the way in which we view blackness and at Hopkins, I will be focusing on the intersections of blackness 
education and gaming culture and more than likely going to be focused on the collegiate esports scene uh, that is happening across the country. And so before we get into the the next chapter, you know, of the the John Hopkins, what happened a little bit, if you're willing to share, (laughs) you know, in terms of like just pausing things. I know COVID was COVID was COVID, but um, yeah. Okay. Uh, What happened? Oh, my goodness. Okay. Um, uh, People are going to, I mean. How can I explain this? <laughs> um, okay, so the best start is from the beginning. So I entered in right after my undergrad. So I went to the University of Maryland College Park, uh, where I got my sociology degree with honors, studying um, uh, video game trailers and the portrayals based on gender and, and race uh, through there. And from that, I used that basically honest thesis to apply to graduate schools. And I said, I decided to go into Indiana university, uh, 2016, everything was amazing, learning new stuff, lots of new people, met new friends. Um, and then, you know, things were pretty much running smoothly. I was, you know, normal, stressed out just like everyone else, but, you know, I had great friends, great food to, uh, keep me engaged. Um, then once we got to 2019, that's when I was focusing on my uh, qualifying exams. Uh, the way their qualifying exams worked for my track in particularly, because my track was called the Computing Culture and Society track, uh, it's three questions, two of which you get uh, well in advance. It's a theoretical question and a methodological question. Uh, and then you have basically like, like two, three months to try and answer that question to the best of your ability. Then after you submit those two questions, you get another question that comes from the department. And then you have from Monday to that Friday to address that question. And then you basically defend that in front of your committee members. I, because of mental stress, because I was also in classes during this time. So therefore, my mind was split between doing courses, also being a TA, it's IU, so they call it AI, so associate instructors, but AI, TA, same thing. But for clarity of the audience, I would just use TA. So I was a TA, and as well as, you know, trying to accomplish this monumental task. But due to mental stress, I decided to put a pause on it and finish it up in the fall. Fall rolls around, and I'm you know, I had conversations with my advisors. We are now working towards me, you know, doing uh, the qualifying exams for that fall. And <laughs> the day comes around for me to do my oral defense. It's, I believe it's like November, probably one week off from December. If it wasn't November, it was early December. And... I remember this day quite well because it changed basically the course of my entire, uh, in some ways, life. Um, because it was raining outside, and I'm a big person related to energy, the senses, nature, stuff like that. So once I saw that it was raining outside, and I also like it had to defend, I was just like, "This feels ominous. Mm. Something's not going to go well." And so I got all the way to the building that I was going to hold. Uh, this conversation with my committee members. It was three of them. 
and I thought everything was fine. And as soon as we entered the room and that door closed, everything shifted. Um, uh, what that means is pretty much every mistake that you could think of, I did. Um, from misspellings to poor grammar construction to just the blatant overall argument uh, was incorrect. And of course, all three of my advisors are looking at each other, looking at me like, what, what happened? What's going on? And so... They, because I um, basically knew I wasn't passing, um, which, mind you, I would I was the first person uh, to not pass their qualifying exams in a very long time in the department. So long that no one else knows the name of the person who did it. Mm. So I knew that without me passing, it would be a story because I'm not going to toot my own horn, but I will. I mean, I was very public. You know, I was yeah. just had a lot of. I met a lot of great people and associated with a lot of people uh, across my department. So I knew that once I left, I I felt like this gigantic like blemish was going to be noted everywhere. And also didn't help that I was the only one in my track to do the qualifying exams at the time. So my main advisor asked if they wanted to leave me alone. And I said, well, we're here now. Let's just keep going. So they told me all the ways in which I made my mistake. And, you know, after that, two of my advisors left and then my main advisor stayed. And that's when I really just started to like be like, so I'm just dumb. I'm just stupid. I knew I shouldn't have done this. Um, I'm just a black kid that you all just was, you know, passing through. I, I was saying a whole bunch of stuff. And then that's when I communicated with my other advisor back at College Park, told my mother, told my other advisor at the University of Kentucky, and everyone's confused because they're saying, well, how did your committee allow you to get to this point and not pass, not pass you? And I was like, great question. So after that, I it was winter break, so I went home, uh, and I talked to my mentor and, you know, thought, you know, I kind of left it up in the air to my advisor if I was returning back anyway. Uh Funny enough, once I was on my way back to Indiana after winter break, two of my advisors emailed me at the exact same time. Pure coincidence, but they both did. Um, Both, you know, basically in their own way saying, Javon, don't give up. We're here to support you. You know, just we got you like or something to just don't leave, like finish. Right. And so I came back. Um, and I hit the ground running as best as possible. Mind you, a few things. Uh, I had to redo my qualifying exams, which meant my new date was May. Furthermore, I was back in the classes. Uh, I was already done with my coursework as of summer 2019, but, uh, one of my advisors, uh, had me sign up for their eight week course, which was an article writing course made sense because article writing after that, hopefully you submit to a journal to get it published, right? That's the idea, signed up. My other course that I did not want to take and clearly told this advisor I did not want to take was very concerned about their course being delisted, that they wanted not only myself to sign up, but another student of theirs to sign up. And that student was already at their dissertation stage. So, So we did. Um, and that course is a full length course. And I was there as a student. I wanted to audit it, but they were just like, no, you have to be a student on record. 
which meant I'm on the hook for all the readings, all the all the things, right? Which I didn't want to do. And anyone who knew me knew that at the time I was not a big fan of coursework. <laughs> so once I got done, I was like, okay, leave me to my own devices. But now I'm back into two courses. Uh, I'm a TA again, as well as redoing my qualifying exams. And I knew I needed assistance. I knew I needed help just to get to the end goal. And I remember mm-hmm. enlisting the help of my friend, Dr. Ben uh, Jalen, uh, to help me out. And he gave me like this, you know, this is what we're, this is where we are now. This is where we're trying to get to. And we want to break it down. This is what we're going to do. This is what, we, you know, so I'm like, all right, cool. But unfortunately, as time went on, more and more stress kicked in, more and more anxiety kicked in, where this time wasn't just mental anxiety, it became physical. So my body started to ache and hurt a lot more. Um, and then it got to the point where, I don't know, I don't know if I'm ready to say this publicly yet. Uh, but well, you, don't, you don't have to we'll pause you right there. You can you can just move right along. And well, <laughs> I would just say I would just say some things happened in between that was of concern for myself. So mm-hmm. I had to around I'd say mid, if not like second week of February, I had to basically decide to leave. Mm-hmm. Um, and not like it was forced. No one forced me out. And, mm-hmm. and of course, I didn't fail out to put this on the record. I decided for reasons to leave. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I left. And once I left, I realized that I was in a worse state than I thought, mm-hmm. um, in which uh, I left and I couldn't have the, I, I kind of like lost my ability to focus to the point that anything longer than a paragraph, like from a book, um, it would make me go to sleep for like two and a half hours, which was the first time. And it stayed like that for three months. So my mind fundamentally kind of, kind of cracked is a hard word, but that's what it felt like. Yeah. So it took me a long time to get back into the fold and I had to process a lot of things about myself as an individual, myself as an academic, uh, among other things. And of course the pandemic was a thing in everyone's life. So that didn't help. So. Yeah. And when you said May 2020, I was like, is this the same May mm-hmm. 20 that we that we were all in? I was like, oh, yes, no. I had left Indiana about two weeks before the country shut down. Mm-hmm. So it was interesting to know that I was home and I just left a place that now everyone is forced to. And I remember <laughs> my friends joked. One of my friends joked about it. He was just like. Javon, just, just I'm just saying, like, you when you left, we all knew that you was in bad shape, but damn, you didn't have to take everyone with you. I was just like, oh look, like, <laughs> I was like, I get you. It was, uh, I didn't mean to take everyone with me, um, but it does look, it did, it did look that way. Uh, it's like because as soon as I left, everything shifted, and I'm just mm. like, well, <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um- so, wait, number one, thank you for sharing that because, you know, I, I always appreciate when people share their stories and their vulnerabilities. So that's always um, appreciated, never taken granted for. And, you know, you you got back in and you, you reapplied. What was that process of, because I think you touched on a couple of points, like the stress of academia, mm-hmm. like the stress, the stress, the stress, like you seem far more than capable but like what do you think 
like that time off, what were some of the things you learned? Um, like some of the things that you were doing that worked for you and some of the things where you were like, I don't want to say I, you know, you shouldn't have done, but the ways that like the academic wave like moves and shifts you and the things that you don't have enough time to stop and reflect and think. But when you took that time off, you did. Um, What were some of your like takeaways? Takeaways is such a like, you know, I don't know the purpose word, but (laughs) you know, some of the things that have made you check in with your sense of self and kind of strengthen that? Uh, Good question. I thank you for it. One of the things that I had to discover is who was Javon Gord removed from the academy? No. uh, So one of the things to note is I've been in school all of my life to the point that I was in pre-K, right? So before kindergarten, I was in school. So that was my bread and butter. And of course, over time, I was given accolades and incentives called gifted, called highly intelligent, highly motivated. You're different than other 10-year-olds, stuff like that, right? So that helps or helped force me into a kind of mode of thinking of, okay, I can accomplish whatever I want to do. School is a, is my, my way into a better, you know, life circumstances, stuff like that. And so once I left IU... Everything that I thought I knew about myself felt gone. It felt removed. And so I felt very ashamed to the point that when I left IU, only my closest friends knew I left. Publicly, everyone thought I was still in Indiana. And when I say publicly, I mean through social media. Uh, so through so through that kind of lens, I, was, I felt ashamed that I had left this program and therefore, people will now think of me as less than capable of doing certain things. Um, so I had to rediscover who I was. To I had to fundamentally build myself back up from that. But how do you do that? I mean, I, I had to, A, luckily enough, I got a new therapist. And he helped me fundamentally get to the core of everything I was trying to avoid in school because what graduate school does quite well, if you allow it to, it will take all of your insecurities and it will exacerbate them. And so therefore, if you feel an inkling like you're incapable, all it's going to do is show you how incapable you think you are. Mm. Well, in reality, you're doing quite well. To everyone else, you're doing amazing. But to yourself, you feel like you're dumb, you're in, you're, you're not going to get through this, stuff like that. So I had to rediscover who I was. And that took a long time. I'm talking about like, and I'm still doing it, you know, it's, it's not like a, you stop the process. But in order to get me to this point where, you know, I am now publishing, giving talks at places I never thought I would, it took, you know, two years for me to get back into, one could say, the proverbial saddle, right? It took me two years to understand that Javon is more than Javon at Indiana University or Javon at University of Maryland College Park or any other institution. People don't gravitate towards me because I am just, like, intelligent and can, like, rattle off, like, a million one fun facts, right? 
uh, I had to realize that I still have mentors who are willing to support me in my endeavors if I'm in school or not. Right. Um, and, and it took a long time for me to understand that. It took me a long time to understand that there's some family trauma that I had to resolve, which affects the way in which I communicate with folks. Um, I wasn't a I wasn't in a relationship at the time, but that also fell through. Um, but it was amicable, you know what I'm saying? So it wasn't like a nasty kind of thing. But, you know, that also happened. So I had to take a, a, a huge step back to everything and give myself the time to grieve, give myself to my the time to, to process, um, give myself time to just rediscover who I was, acknowledge what has happened to me, right? But then taking stock of my current present and think enough, not too deeply, but enough to what a future could be for me. And yeah, that's pretty much it. I'm glad you mentioned that like it's a journey and you're still taking the time like it's never going to be fully over it's going to be phases and um, you're going to have to continue to have to do that processing and while you're speaking it makes me think that there's always sometimes this like conversation of like well there are some scholars of like a certain generation who are like well you should do nothing but work and study and like have your brain seep from your ear like you know you should look like a whole bag of mess and you know <laughs> and just if you if you didn't look like you showered then maybe that's a good thing so it's you know it's it's kind of like that conversation versus well can can we have academic rigor and a sense of self that is separated from the academy in a way that makes sense, you know, and it's, it's not, because there's also a conversation where there's some people who are quite frankly not doing the reading, like, let's talk about it, like, you know, they're, they're in programs, but they want the degree for the degree, but they're not here to really do the reading and do the work, but like, Mm -hmm. what's that balance, what's that, so from your experience, what's that balance of being rigorous, but still having a sense of self, Mm -hmm. um, that is critical because you still need yourself to continue the work you're doing. Good question. And keep in mind, uh, what I say here is like Javon, like at Indiana, who, who was <laughs> on a different kind of like <laughs> mindset, right? Yeah. So everything that I say is going to be reflective of that time, not necessarily reflective on the kinds of ways of thinking now. So at the time, I was very much like, okay, let's do all the readings, understand as much as possible, but still find some semblance of uh, engaging with others, uh, socializing, exercise if possible. And so I would, you know, go to class, took notes, always paid attention, asked questions if I felt asking a question. Um, as well as engaging with my colleagues. So if I didn't understand something, I would then reach out to others who I felt had a better understanding and then, you know, rinse and repeat from there. In between, my balancing act was playing games, talking to my friends back in Maryland, 
as well as, you know, going out to eat with other friends in Indiana. I love Marvel films, so whenever there's a Marvel film, go see that. I got into Tai Chi there, which was interesting, so I did that for a year. And then I also got into singing, in particularly barbershop singing, because of my voice, I was bass. So uh, so I did <laughs> lots of extracurricular activities, enough to you know keep me going. And people noted that. They was like, why do you do a lot of extracurricular activities? But to me, I was just like, I need something to to sustain me, right? I need something that engaged my brain differently. Um, because you're so used to engaging your brain in one particular way in school that need, or for me, I needed something to engage my other part of my brain, like the music side of things. The yeah. the, the one that is more f- focused on physical movement than yeah. mental cognition, right? So I needed those kinds of... Uh, things to balance me out. Now, the word balance has always been contentious with me at the time because I never thought, for some reason, I thought balance was 50-50, right? So it's just like you do 50% of work and then you do 50% and all these other things. Uh, And I never had that. So the word equilibrium felt better for me because I'm just like, okay, equilibrium means that, you know, everything's working in tandem with each other, but it could be a small will helping move a medium-sized wheel to help move the bigger wheel, right? So I can have a little bit of this, a little bit of that, a little bit of this. So I have a little bit of all these other smaller things to help move the bigger thing, which is my body into a classroom to help me, you know, read these articles, do these papers, et cetera, et cetera. However, what became difficult was feeling as though that I just could not uh, have the time to actually care enough about any of the readings for it to stick. I'm a big person where it's just like, the more I engage with something, the more it, it sticks with me. And I realized that's in like readings that I do. And I've tried to lie to myself back then to, okay, let me pretend to care about this reading because hopefully that will help it stick. And it never did. Pretty much, but I didn't care about the reading. That eh, is not sticking. Uh, <laughs> call it stubbornness. Call it selective reading, or call it just the work is not engaging, or it's poorly written. That's mm-hmm. fine. I don't. I don't. I mean, I've I've always been on the side of just because you have a famous name doesn't mean you can write. Like that's <laughs> that's always been that's always been me. You mm-hmm. can't change that opinion. Like it's it is what it is. Um. So that's always been a hard part for me. So I've been trying, well, then I was trying strategies like group, group reading sessions, stuff like that to try and gauge it or strategically read the article. But then for at the same time, strategically reading an article, one could call it skimming also was hard for me because sometimes skimming makes me feel as though that I'm doing injustice to the person who wrote this thing. So therefore, I end up reading the entire thing because guess because for me, I always felt like I would be the guy who goes to class and everyone else skimmed the paper, but everyone else got the understanding from the paper. I did not. And I also skimmed too. So it was like, did I not skim effectively? How much are you skimming? Like for every one word you skip, how many words are you actually reading? Like, like those kinds of questions will always come up. Skimming just caused more problems and more anxiety. And I was like, you know what? I would have been better off just reading. 
<laughs> right. You're sitting down and actually reading the whole thing because, yeah, maybe I'm not an effective skimmer, but it brought out a whole bunch of questions where I was like, now I open this door. I should have just. <laughs> mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, it's so same thing for me. I would try my best to skim, but eventually I would just end up reading the entire thing. Uh, and sometimes I would not understand what the article was about. So I go into classes, not understand what this article was about, and then bits of imposter syndrome will come in. And so to for me, balancing graduate school became hard because I started to, I was playing mental gymnastics via internal and external factors, which made this, like which made all the other things that sustained me less effective because though I'm not in class by like six o'clock at night in my head, I'm still in some ways replaying how I failed quote unquote failed that day or how I underperformed in class that day. And sometimes teachers would note that Javon, you didn't say much today. Are you okay? Javon, you weren't engaging as much today. Are you, are you sure? And I'm a very expressive person. Like it, mm-hmm. like, like my expression on how I feel is on my face. So even if I'm like try to hide my my anger, my discontent, it will be on my face, mm-hmm. um, which makes it very hard for me to lie to people. <laughs> um, <laughs> I bet you wearing masks maybe helped you a little. <laughs> as a person who's a sociologist, I know a lot about mask. You know, like masking oneself, mm-hmm. but yet the whole facial expression. <laughs> always gets me caught up where it's just like Javar, are you sure you're okay? You seem angry. No, I'm fine. And it's just you see what I'm saying? It's just like clearly yeah. something's off. Mm. So I hope that, that answered your question and gave some context when it comes to balance. Yeah, it did. And I like especially this distinguish between balance and equilibrium. Equilibrium makes sense in terms of like all these little pieces um that move to make to make your body present in a space and time. Um, mm-hmm. Because and even now when I think about balance, I don't know. Honestly, it's something I'm still processing. I'm like, am I balancing or am I just surviving? Is this a practice? Like at this, at some point it's hard to gauge what it is. Um, but I will think about, you know, what you just said, equilibrium, because that makes a little bit more sense in terms of, what you need to do to be present at a certain place of time, whether it's like watching the Marvel movie or just not needing your brain to function at a period, like watching something so bland, like love is blind and seeing like, maybe I'm not as bad, you know, you know, maybe I'm not so bad off, you know, compared Mm -hmm. to the decisions these people are making, but it's Mm -hmm. fun to watch. (laughs) Trust me. My girlfriend got me to watch love is blind. I'm just like, how did we get here? And then all of a sudden, I'm just as invested as her. <laughs> uh, I'm just like, oh, no, this man is trash. He's had her up. He basically yeah. calls her fat with this whole orange thing. Like, I, I <laughs> oh, yeah, I, we was in it. Yeah, so it definitely helps. But where where are you at now? And how are you feeling? How are you ready to, to go into, to restart, you know, or just continue from where you picked off? Um Mm-hmm. You know, from the lessons that you've learned. Hmm. Uh, good question. Um, and a very reflective one for myself. Uh, I'm at a very good spot. Like I am. I am overwhelmed in terms of 
how much I've accomplished uh, since leaving, you know, I, uh, since leaving Indiana. I, because at the time when I left, I felt like I was like worthless. Um, my work is worthless. Um, but since then, uh, through help with friends, through mentorship, through, through guidance, through therapy, I've been able to not only discover my sense of self, but firmly understand that I am more than capable with or without some other institution. And I don't need some other institution to validate my own self-worth. That comes from me. I've also firmly supplanted in myself that even if I don't reach the goals that I want to set out for, it doesn't make me a failure, mm-hmm. right? That It just means that I just did not accomplish that thing. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that invalidates all the other experiences, all the other lives and conversations that I've had and interacted with. And I've also realized that I have amazing friends uh, as well. And I realized that I have amazing uh, family as well that also always will encourage me, even if I'm not in school. You know, just hearing every so often from my grandmother when I post on Facebook, I'm proud of you. That's my grandson. I brag about you all the time. That's all I need. You see yeah. what I'm saying? Like, that, that's all I need. If my grandmother's proud of me, then, like, it doesn't matter if someone else is disappointed in me. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Like, who are you to my grandmother? You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And it's it's recognizing that there will always be folks who understand me in my totality and recognize me as Javon human and not just Javon just video game researcher or, or Javon podcaster or, or writer. So I, I'm left currently now feeling quite overjoyed and surprised in the ways in which things have manifested since mm-hmm. I've left um, because the opportunities started to arise. Uh, for example, I remember one of my colleagues said, hey, Javon, this is in 2020, December. Hey, Javon, I want you to uh, submit an abstract for this edited journal that I'm finally working on. And I'm just like, bro, I can barely read. I don't like, no, like, no, I don't know if I have. He's like, come on, come on, come on. Your voice would be so important. And I was like, fine. And so I remember I was like, look, don't have any expectations. I'm going to submit this abstract and it is what it is. Mm -hmm. I remember I I created this abstract based off an article that I was like, based off a presentation I was working on uh, a while back before the pandemic. And I was like, okay, here's this abstract. It was, it was probably very, very shoddy. Probably didn't make any sense, whatever. Then all of a sudden a month or two rolled past. It is now 2021 and boom, like I get the official letter saying your abstract has been submitted and accepted. So now you're on the hook for this article. I was like, damn. Uh, (laughs) So here I am now having to write this article and also at the same time in 2020 i was offered to uh, write a book chapter and i told that professor no i was just like i can't i'm sorry i'm not i don't have the mental capacity for any of this i know 
So at the same time as I'm like working on this article in 2021, summer of 2021 rolls around. Same professor and I had a conversation and she was just like, hey, Javon, there's still space for you to contribute. And I said, fine. But if I do this, I'm going to write on black joy within gaming culture. Because at the time, everything I was, yeah, seriously, at the time, everything I was reading about black people or the intersection of blackness in, in gaming was always about discrimination, violence, vitriol, hate speech, stuff like that. And I'm not saying those experiences are, are not important to document. And I'm not saying those things do not happen or reoccur where it is a problem that needs to be discussed. I'm just saying that that's not fair to black people as a, as a whole, mm-hmm. right? That is literally piecemealing part of our experiences online. What's the experience that keeps us going? So I told that professor, I'm saying, I'm not writing anything else unless it's about black joy and gaming culture. <laughs> and she said, that's exactly what we want. And I was like, all right, cool. <laughs> And now, you know, it's now 2023, and the article that I mentioned with my friend, that got published mm. last Monday. And it's funny because the email, when I received that email, when I say last Monday to your audience, that would be, what, March uh, 13th mm-hmm. of 2023. I got that email saying that it was published. When I got that email, I was in Austin, Texas, ironing my shirt because I was giving a talk, about to give a talk at South by Southwest on my book chapter called mm-hmm. Black Boy Thing Aiming Culture. And I was just like, yo, this is this is a lot. This is, this is insane, right? Where both things that I was hesitant to do, one of them I just outright said no, Mm-hmm. are now about to come to fruition. So so my article, Gamifying Blackness, a discussion of black gamers and black portrayals in contemporary video games, that is now published uh, on the journal or in the journal association. And my book chapter, Black Joys in Gaming Culture, is going to be out in some near future. That's above my pay grade. But for the first time, people are going to be able to physically buy a book and will have my name in it. And that feeling right there, I'm not ready for. <laughs> so I need to see it. But I'm I am going to be over the moon once I see my name printed in something. What I appreciate is the process, you know, and it's like, yes, you have this end product of a book, but it's like you got there on your own terms. Um, and I think that's the part where it's like, yeah, that's the type of you know, scholar you want to be in in getting you said no because when you were like boundaries, I don't think I can do this. And then you were like, fine. <laughs> if I'm going to do this, we're going to do this in Black Joy. And I instantly smiled because I'm like, that's why I still play Sims. I don't care what anybody says. That's why Kiki Palmer was pregnant and playing Sims too because I was like, she I did. Saw, you yeah, know? I saw <laughs> and I remember that. the first time she was like, she asked something about a Sims game. I was like, oh, you too? I was like, sis, go on. You know, I was, it was like black feet. You could, it was just joyful. You know, there's, yeah, you can do things like drown people in Sims 1 and put them on fire, <laughs> which is, <laughs> but like, it was, it was fun. And to, to know that you wrote a chapter on that and, cause you know, it's funny you said it. Cause my next question was going to be like, how did that, like, are you shifting those things that you've learned into your research mm-hmm. and so you seeing you writing a, a chapter on black joy i'm like there you go i was like things weave into one another and i hope i hope you keep that like you keep that energy you keep that 
that joy of the end product is not is not just the end goal, but it's the process. It's um, you're so much more, you know, you're mm-hmm. so, so much more than, than just that. And it's as much as we appreciate that, I can read that and I can play Sims and I can embrace both sides of myself and be like, yeah, I'm good. <laughs> and I thank you for your, your kind words. And yes, it was the, it was the process that I enjoy. You know, now I get to, you know, uh, enjoy the fruits of, of my labor. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean. I'm talking to you now. <laughs> so now I get to enjoy these moments where people are m- literally messaging me saying, Hey, let's talk, let's collaborate. And I'm just like, I have no idea who you are. Um, but let's, let's just go for it. Right. And I know that only comes from the, the, the work that I've done, but it's the process on how I got to that. That's mm-hmm. the part that I reflect on. Right. Like when I wrote this book chapter on black joy within gaming culture, I enjoyed that writing process. Mm -hmm. Did it take a long time? Yes, it it took a long time. Right. But there was not one moment where I was just like, man, I I don't like this or this is this is not worth it. Right. I knew it was worth it because I wrote it. That's why it's worth it. Mm -hmm. So I have to start there first. Right. Why is it worth it? Because I'm writing it. Mm -hmm. Um, And then two, why is it worth it beyond just me? Well, because. These and these reasons, right? Mm-hmm. And so to go through the process of writing both this chapter and this article, among the other projects, I am always trying to be in service of my community. Mm-hmm. And if I know that I'm working on something that my community would appreciate, then that's all the motivation I need. I mean, that's why I continue to do the work. That's why. On my CV, you'll see a mixture of academic conferences, but also lots of anime, comic book conventions, mm-hmm. also. And I go to any convention. If you pay my way through, I'll, I can be there, <laughs> right? Like South by Southwest, thank you for sponsoring me. So I was off to, to Austin, right? Mm-hmm. And people showed up, people loved my talk, and they engaged with me. Um, and I also go to local conventions on the East Coast. So, because, and I always meet people who either say, I've never knew that this existed, meaning game studies as a whole, mm-hmm. or I never knew that you could do research on games. And furthermore, I didn't know there were Black people studying <laughs> video games, right? And then also, I didn't know that there were so many ways in which to understand Blackness as a part of video game culture. Like, to see yourself as a Black-identified gamer as a part of a larger narrative, Mm -hmm. right, of adventurers, scholars, uh, innovators in the space, both uh, past and present, and those who are building towards the future. That is what keeps me motivated, and that's all I like to do with my work. So it's... It's that kind of process that keeps me going. Sure, yes, as I tell people, I go on stage, I give a talk, I say some things, that's fine. But really, that's not as fun for me. The fun comes from q and I love a good Q&A. <laughs> Q&A is nerve-wracking because anyone can say anything, and trust me, I have had some questions before. <laughs> um, but for the most part, people are generally curious about my thoughts on a particular mm-hmm. phenomenon as it, as it relates to gaming culture. And yeah. I always tell people that even if you don't have questions related to the presentation, you can ask me questions of pretty much on any facet of gaming culture at large. And I'll just give you my 
honest opinion and people appreciate that and i keep it as one would say i keep it 100 because there's no point of me sugarcoating stuff because sugarcoating anything doesn't do justice to a the people who actually have to live through the muck of gaming culture who have to deal with you get online and the first thing you see in the all chat is the n-word so what am i going to do or what is the purpose of me saying anything if I'm not giving you my honest opinion on the the outlooks of the culture? Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, that's that's what motivates me. So, yeah, so I thank you for your comments. But, yeah, as you mentioned, the end product is the end product. And I get to enjoy the fruits of the labor, but it's the process that gets me there is what keeps me going to do the work. Well, thank you so much for making the time to have this conversation. All your information will be in the bio and I'll put I'll really definitely link the conversations that you've had on gaming culture. Um, if that's okay, I'll put that in the bio as well so people can see um, that side of the converse. We can we can go on for another hour, but I like to be respectful of people's time. <laughs> no, it's, it's all good. Conversations are so interesting. I'm just like, man, I only asked for 60 minutes. Let me make sure I stick to my word. <laughs> I'm surprised time went by so quickly, but, uh, but yeah, but I mean, thank you. if you have any other questions, just, just uh, let me know. Okay. Members of your audience have questions, then feel free to reach out to me on all the i'm on all the things probably not tiktok in the near future all depending on how the country goes so <laughs> but until then you can reach out to me on on, on the twitter instagram uh facebook and then yeah uh, but more likely twitter linkedin stuff like that is what i'm responding to well thank you so much <laughs>